Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Jacob's prayer for deliverance as we pick up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 11. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Just be honest with God about your emotions, about your feelings, and then God can deal with them. As long as I'm uh, trying to cover and, and, you know, try to fool God and say, oh, that's all right, Lord, everything's okay, oh, I feel great. No, it doesn't bother me, no, no. Yeah. Man, I'm not, I, then God can't deal with the real issues of my life until I get just really frank with him and, and honest in my dealings with God. Jacob was honest. And then he reminded, as I said, God of his promise, you said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea. Now, Lord, how can my seed be as the sand of the sea if Esau wipes us all out? You see, that's the idea. You, you made the promise that I'm, you know, my descendants are going to be un, unnumbered. And, and Lord, that'll never be if, if Esau comes and wipes me out. And so he lodged there that same night, and he took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother, 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 she-ashes, 10 fowls. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves. And he said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space between the droves and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When he saw my brother meet you and ask you, saying, Who are you? And where are you going? Who do these animals belong to? Then you shall say, They are of thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau, and behold, he is behind us. And so he commanded the second, the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall ye speak unto Esau when you find him. And say, moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward I will see his face peradventure, he will accept me. So Jacob prays, and then he does his best to set things up. Now, as I told you, one of Jacob's problems was that he felt that God couldn't do his work without his help. In other words, Jacob always was trying to help God out. Jacob wasn't a man to just trust the Lord alone. He he was the kind of a fellow who who would pray and then do his best to set things up. He was a very wise man and a very clever man. And he always was scheming, always conniving, always manipulating people. And this is just another one of Jacob's manipulations. Having prayed rather than just leaving it there with God, then he does his best to help God 
work out the situation by setting up this whole appeasement program, sending out the servants with all of these droves of cattle and, and sheep and rams and goats and so forth, so that by the time Esau gets to him, he's sort of just overwhelmed by all of the presents that he has received from Jacob. And he is hoping that the anger of Esau will surely be appeased by all of these gifts. You say, well, God wants us to do something, doesn't he? Yes. I do not believe that faith is really passive. I think that faith is active, and I believe that God does expect us to use our heads and use the wisdom that he has given to us. But I do believe that God wants us to be trusting in him and his ability to do his work. I think that too many times we get into problems where we shouldn't really get involved at all, where we're trying to help God out, and God doesn't need my help. And so he went the present over before him, and he stayed that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants, that is, Bildad and Zilpah, and his eleven sons, and he passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over all that he had, and Jacob was left alone. I really feel that he sent them all away so he could get a good night's sleep. Others think that he sent them away so he could spend the night in prayer. That doesn't sound like Jacob. He's a practical man. And as I say, he really is trusting in himself uh, more than God at this particular point. Yes, he takes God into account. He asks God to help him, but then he does his best to help himself. And so uh, I think that he knew that this has been a rough day. It's been an emotional day. Laban is upset, and, and uh, I can't go back that direction. Esau is coming. I don't know what his attitude is. And, and so he thinks, I better get a good night's sleep, get all these little kids out of here, because you remember all, and there were 11 boys, but how many girls, we don't know. There were girls also. And they were all under 13 years of age. So a lot of racket, you know, and a lot of cutting up and a lot of playing and, uh, and a lot of movement in the night. And Jacob felt he needed a good night's rest. And so Jacob was left alone, but rather than getting a good night rest, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, that is, this angel that was wrestling with Jacob, Jacob would not give up. He could not prevail against Jacob. Jacob was a strong, iron-willed man. And that was Jacob's weakness, was his strength. He was so strong, he was prone to trust and rely upon himself rather than to trust in the Lord completely. And so here is a night in which he really needs rest more than any other night. And rather than being able to get rest, the Lord sends an angel to wrestle with him all night long. But he still wouldn't give up. He still wouldn't surrender. 
And so when the angel saw that he would not surrender, he touched the hollow of his thigh and it went out of joint as he wrestled with him. He deliberately crippled Jacob. Using the divine power, he crippled this man. Now, Jacob's one thought was always he could flee. He set things up so that Esau would meet the other company. If Esau was still angry and started to smite the company, then he could flee. And always in the back of his mind, if all else fails, run. Now the Lord has closed out that door of escape. He's crippled. How can he run? And so the angel touched the hollow of his thigh. The thing shriveled. He became a cripple. God shut him off from escaping now. And this is what finally brought Jacob to the place of giving up. That's it. I've had it. Jacob finally surrendered. That which God was wanting him to do all along, surrender his life, surrender his will unto the Lord, finally came with the crippling. It took the crippling to do it. That's tragic. Sometimes a person's greatest strength can be their greatest weakness. With Paul the Apostle, he was another Jacob, in a sense, the guy with an iron will. When Paul wanted to do something, it was almost impossible to stop him. He was preaching in Lystra, and the people got angry, and they stoned him. They thought they killed him. They drug him out of town. Even his friends thought he was dead, and Paul himself doesn't know if he was dead or alive. And his friends were gathered around his body, weeping over Paul. Oh, the great soldier of the cross. What a loss, you know, to the kingdom of God. And pretty soon Paul began to move, stood up, shook himself, says, let's go back into town. <laughs> Man, how do you stop a guy like that? You don't. That iron will. But it also became a problem. For Paul was in Galatia, and he intended to go over into Bithynia with the gospel. He had a desire to get into Asia there. Oh, I want to go into Asia and preach. God didn't want him to go to Asia. But Paul was determined to go to Asia. So God had to make Paul so sick he couldn't get out of bed until he got Paul's attention. Paul said, where is it you wanted me to go, Lord? Over to Greece? Oh, but I wanted to go to Asia, Lord. <laughs> Greece, Paul. But he was so sick, he couldn't go on into Asia. The Lord just put the, had, but he had to put him in bed. He had to, you know, that's sad. But Paul probably could never have endured all of the things that he endured unless he had that great will. It was a great strength, but yet so many times the natural abilities are the very things that get in our way in our attempt to serve God. And God has to deal and bring us to a dependence upon him in all things. He doesn't want me to depend upon my natural abilities. He wants me to depend totally upon him. And with Jacob, it took the crippling 
in order to bring Jacob to the place of surrender in order that God might really do all for Jacob he wanted to do. He couldn't do it as long as he was this clever, conniving kind of a guy. God couldn't do what he was wanting to do. And so he brings him to the place of weakness, brings him to a crippling situation. Jacob is surely not a good example for us. It's just a good illustration and demonstration of what God has to do to some people to bring them into a complete surrender of themselves to God so that then God can take them and begin to work through them. And they have that understanding, that deep understanding that I have to depend upon the Lord. And so the angel crippled him. And Jacob at this point, defeated, according to Hosea, began to weep and plead with the angel. You know, you have to hear a person's tone of voice many times to know what they're really saying. You cannot put the tone of voice in words on a page. You've got to hear it. And as we read the words on the page, it sounds like Jacob is demanding, coming from a position of, of, of victory or power, saying, I'll not let you go except you bless me. As, as the day was breaking, the angel said, let me go, the day is breaking. And, and Jacob said, I will not let you go. It sounds like he's coming from a position of, of power and all. Not so. Hosea says he was at this point broken. He was weeping. He was crying. He was pleading. He was actually saying, in essence, please don't go without blessing me. I can't let you go unless you bless me. I've had it. I'm destroyed. I can't run. I've had it. Please don't go without first of all blessing me. And so the angel said unto him, what is your name? Reminding him of his character, for his name was a reflection of his character. My name is Jacob. My name is Heel Catcher because I caught my brother's heel and I've been at everybody's heels. I've been clever. I've been able to get by because of my dogged determination. I don't give up. I'm a self-governed man. I'm the master of my destiny. I'm the master of every situation. My name is Jacob. Your name, and here's the blessing. The blessing is just the change of a name. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. But the name change indicates the change of nature. You're no longer to be a self-governed, clever heel catcher, but you're now to be a man whose life is governed by God, Israel. And it indicates the change of character. Actually, it is the new birth. It's being born again. No longer being mastered by self, by the flesh but now being mastered by the Spirit of God, living now a life after the Spirit. What a beautiful blessing, the greatest blessing he could ever receive. 
It was the blessing that was to last the rest of his life. God wants to bless you. He wants to change your nature from a self-governed, independent, self-sufficient individual into a person who is relying and trusting in God, whose life is governed by the Spirit of God. And so the change in Jacob, the blessing, was the change of nature that God gave to him. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. God is changing your nature, making you a prince, giving you power with God and power with men. And Jacob said to him, what is your name? And he said, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face. Peniel means the face of God. And my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he was limping or halted upon his thigh. He was crippled. The crippling was an experience that lasted. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men, and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel, and the two handmaidens, and he, in other words, each of the mothers with their children that they had born. And he put the handmaids and their children in the front, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph were behind. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. Now, according to the Tel Alamarna tablets, it is proper when greeting a king to bow to the earth seven times in approaching him. So Jacob was approaching his brother Esau and greeting Esau as a king, which indeed Esau was. He had become the ruler and the king, so to speak, over the area of Mount Seir, the area known as Edom. And so he is giving honor to his brother's position, bowing before him seven times, a custom in those days. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So that prayer of Jacob's was answered. His brother's anger was assuaged, and the meeting, rather than being tense, rather than being bitter, rather than with great recriminations and anger. It's a, it's a sign of acceptance, a sign of forgiveness, a sign of love. As they embraced each other, they kissed each other, they wept together. The work of God's Spirit had been wrought. It is my opinion that Esau, when he was coming, was intending to fulfill his threat of killing Jacob. And even as Laban, when he was pursuing Jacob, intending to 
by force take back everything that Jacob had and to do Jacob harm. And even as God spoke to Laban and said, don't touch him, don't do him harm, don't speak to him good or evil, and God protected Jacob, I believe that God changed the heart of Esau so that by the time they met, all of the anger and the bitterness of the years gone by flowed out, and there was that beautiful reunion of the two brothers. And he lifted up his eyes. He saw the women and the children, and he said, Whose are these that are with you? And Jacob said, The children which God has graciously given thy servant. And the handmaidens came near in their children, and they bowed themselves to their uncle, actually. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after that came Joseph with Rachel, and they bowed themselves. And he said, What is the meaning of all of these droves of animals that I met when I was coming toward you? And he said, These are to find grace in thy sight. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 32 through 33 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. And may you walk in fellowship with him. And may the Lord continue his work in your life as he draws you unto himself, as he cleanses you through his word, as he fits you and prepares you for that work that he would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you. And God strengthen you and keep you ever in his love and in his will. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. 
Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.